Hi, and welcome to episode 17 of The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. We'll use the best of psychology to help you be happy, healthy, and most importantly, yourself. Last week, in the first of this two-part series, we covered the five symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. This week, we'll talk about healing from PTSD and the stigma that can get in the way, with a special emphasis on new veterans. We'll cover seven misconceptions about PTSD and one big truth. The idea for these two podcasts comes from listener Phoebe Gavin of New York City. In addition to being an Iraq war veteran, Phoebe belongs to Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, or IAVA, the first and largest nonprofit, nonpartisan association for new veterans. So thank you, Phoebe, and all your fellow veterans for your service. While a 2011 Pew Research Center report revealed that a majority of Americans are apathetic or disapproving of the post-9-11 wars the military fought or is fighting, at the same time Americans feel pride, gratitude, and confidence towards the more than 2.6 million troops who have served in combat zones since 9-11. More than 90% of Americans are proud of the troops, and about 75% have thanked a vet. And no matter your politics, we can all get behind less judgment and better health for veterans. Almost 30% of Iraq and Afghanistan vets treated through the VA system are diagnosed with PTSD. But the stigma of having a disorder keeps many vets from seeking treatment, increases a sense of isolation, and perpetuates sensationalized media images. Worse, if left untreated, PTSD increases the risk for depression, drug and alcohol abuse, and suicide. So, to help lift the stigma, here are seven misconceptions about PTSD refuted. Misconception number one, PTSD makes you violent and dangerous. Most media accounts of the recent Fort Hood shooting emphasize that specialist Ivan Lopez was being evaluated for PTSD. Unfortunately, this propagates the falsehood that individuals with PTSD can snap at any time or go on Rambo-like rampages. Every time the media links PTSD or vets with violence, more vets push their struggles underground try to go it alone, and don't seek help. As we learned last week, PTSD includes hyperarousal, a group of symptoms that includes a tendency to be angry, irritable, on edge, and easily startled, which seems like a recipe for violence. However, it's not an accurate picture. An important 2014 study followed over 1,000 veterans from all 50 states and all military branches for a year. And vets with PTSD, but without alcohol misuse, didn't have any higher risk of violence than vets with neither of those two difficulties. The researchers concluded that when it comes to violence, we shouldn't focus on PTSD alone, but instead on the cumulative effects of factors that reveal a more complex story. Alcohol, history of violence before deployment, greater combat exposure, and not having enough money to cover basic needs after returning home. And even with all the risk factors, there's no surefire recipe for violence. Instead, the accumulation of stresses and vulnerabilities helps pinpoint who might need help, not who might be a danger. Sadly, if anyone gets hurt, it's most likely to be the person with PTSD himself or herself. 
The incidence of suicide in the army has increased over the past several years, moving from below to above the rate of the general population. And indeed, of all suicides in the U.S., one in five is a veteran. Misconception number two. It's okay to make small talk about traumatic experiences. At welcome home parties, on first dates, and even at job interviews, a question commonly posed to new vets is, did you kill anyone? Or worse, how many people did you get to kill? While it's completely understandable to be curious, taking another human's life is an extremely serious and personal experience, not a conversation to strike up as small talk or for entertainment. So if you're standing around the barbecue grill, politely squash your impulse to ask. Later, if you know the vet well and you're willing to listen, really listen to the answer, you can ask, preferably one-on-one, if they'd be willing to talk about their deployment. Misconception number three. You must have done something awful to get PTSD. Most of us are raised with a spoken or implied belief that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, a moral line in the sand. The belief that people get what they deserve or what goes around comes around is called the just world fallacy. It's a fallacy because while we'd like to believe that good prevails and evil is punished, sometimes, oftentimes, it doesn't work out so neatly. The just world fallacy leads to a sense of security, but it's a precarious security. It's easier to fit the world into neat little categories of good and bad if we think that only bad people get killed, raped, addicted, or traumatized. But that line of thinking leads to blaming the victim. And it leaves folks with PTSD thinking they must have done something wrong to deserve this or that it must be their fault. The just world fallacy is a tough bubble to pop because it leaves us with the realization that the world isn't fair. We'd like to believe in justice. We want to think that good guys win in the end. But sometimes bad guys get away, and sometimes bad things, like trauma and PTSD, happen to the best people we know. Misconception number four. Well, at least you didn't get hurt. Because much of trauma is unspeakable or unthinkable, others often deny it happened or question its impact. But PTSD is indeed an injury, just not an outwardly visible one. A growing number of military officers and mental health professionals seek to reduce stigma by dropping the D from PTSD. Retired General Peter Corelli has been quoted as saying, no 19-year-old kid wants to be told he's got a disorder. And likewise, Army Staff Sergeant Ty Carter, who received the Medal of Honor, has led the charge to change the name to PTS. Because it's the only psychological condition that must be caused by an outside event, Carter and others aim to instill hope, increase willingness to get treated, and reduce stigma by changing the concept from that of a disorder to that of an injury, more like a broken leg or a shrapnel wound than a mental illness. Misconception number five, all vets come back with PTSD or psychologically damaged. All vets are shaped by their experiences but it's usually in a positive way. According to the Pew study, over 90% of vets say their time in the military helped them mature, taught them how to work with others, and helped build self-confidence. Unfortunately, the myth that vets are damaged is a not uncommon assumption, and may be largely to blame for the high levels of unemployment among Iraq and Afghanistan vets. Indeed, a 2011 survey found that over 40% of hiring managers were, quote, less favorable towards hiring military personnel when they considered war-related psychological disorders. 
The misconception of being unbalanced goes beyond those with PTSD to include all returning vets. For example, Phoebe Gavin, the listener and Iraq War veteran who suggested the topic for this podcast, was asked at a job interview for a retail position how she might deal with shoplifters. She gave a thoughtful, appropriate answer, to which the interviewer responded, Are you sure your combat training wouldn't kick in? The question implied that she might snap and be unable to control violent impulses. On the contrary, she notes, combat training is all about controlling impulses. It's about staying calm and making quick decisions, not about kicking butt and taking names. Misconception number six, getting treatment will hurt my career. In a 2013 study with Iraq and Afghanistan combat vets, most participants reported avoiding treatment early on to circumvent a label of mental illness. Many more vets avoid getting medical attention because they're worried it will hurt their career. However, it's actually the opposite. A 2006 study of active-duty Air Force members found that only 3% of those who sought out mental health treatment perceived that it negatively impacted their careers. By contrast, of those who waited until their commanders referred them for treatment, 39% reported their careers were hurt. Careers don't suffer when you get help. They suffer when PTSD goes untreated and gets in the way of doing your job. Misconception number seven, you're in this alone. This is not at all what the old army recruiting slogan, an army of one, meant. By contrast, PTSD is fairly common. Six to eight percent of Americans, not just veterans, will develop PTSD in their lifetime. And many vets who don't have full-blown PTSD may experience the flavor of PTSD in their post-deployment readjustment. For instance, many vets aren't comfortable sitting with their back to a door or being in a crowded public space. Among veterans of earlier eras like Desert Storm or Vietnam, 16% say they suffered from post-traumatic stress, whether or not they received a diagnosis. But in post-9-11 vets, the number jumps to 37%. The exact reasons for this increase are unclear, but it's possible that pieces of the puzzle include improved screening, increased awareness, and weakening stigma. Regardless, no vet should struggle alone. Each person who talks about his or her experience with PTSD paves the way for others to do the same. And talking, simple as it is, is the best way to heal. Which brings us to our big and hopeful truth about PTSD. Truth number one, or maybe I should say the number one truth, PTSD is treatable. How do you get over PTSD? A great analogy is that your life is written as a book. Understandably, you don't want to read the pages on which your traumas are written, but by skipping those pages, the story no longer makes sense. Plus, because your brain needs to make sense of the story, it keeps flipping back to those pages. And only by reading those pages word by word can the story make sense and the page flipping stop. The two most effective treatments for PTSD, called exposure and cognitive processing, do just this. The first, exposure, helps a vet or anyone with PTSD gradually and safely practice approaching whatever he or she has been avoiding, whether it's crowded movie theaters, watching the news, or simply leaving the house. Through exposure, the brain relearns, for example, that back home, debris on the side of the road doesn't necessarily mean an IED. It's probably just debris. The second treatment, cognitive processing, helps unscramble the distorted thoughts caused by the trauma. Cognitive processing shines a bright light on thoughts like, I'm in danger everywhere, or I wasn't worth helping, 
and sees if they hold up. Thankfully, they don't. To sum up, trauma does more than bend us. It breaks us. But then we mend, and while we always emerge changed by trauma, sometimes we emerge stronger, deeper, or more resilient than we ever thought possible. If the Savvy Psychologist is useful to you, please share your appreciation by subscribing to the podcast, liking on Facebook, adding on Google+, or simply telling someone important in your life. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. A transcript of the podcast and references for the studies I mention are always available on quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. And of course, the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for psychiatric care or psychotherapy with a licensed professional. As always, any patient names have been changed and details altered to protect privacy. Thanks for listening and see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called The Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.